Welcome to The Secret to Successful Development Projects, a podcast series from Muckle LLP. In this series, we'll look at how to get set for success as we tackle the key things you need to get right on a development project in bite-sized chunks. You can find out more about what we'll be covering at muckle-llp.com slash development success. This time around, we discuss how to make sure you're delivering in the right way, on time and on budget for clients. Hello, I'm Lucilla Woff um, from Muckle. Uh, I head up our construction engineering and projects team. Um, today, I'm joined by Carol Kens from Northumbrian Water. I'm very grateful to Carol for agreeing to join me on this podcast to share her wisdom on how clients get the right outcomes from their development projects. Carol is the perfect person to talk on this subject as she has over 25 years of experience as a chartered civil engineer of leading on major capital investment and business transformation programs in the water industry. Um, she's currently strategic planning manager at Northumbrian Water, leading delivery of their long-term wastewater strategies. And in her spare time, Carol is co-lead on a national uh, water industry asset management research program. She's vice chair of the Constructing Excellence in the Northeast Board, focused on improving industry performance um, to create a better built environment. And she's also the chair of the Constructing Excellent Northeast client group, which is set up to champion how clients can get better outcomes by making value based decisions. So, welcome, Carol. Um, from my perspective as a lawyer, morning. Um, from my perspective as a lawyer, um, it seems to me that the key to success of a client getting the right outcomes is by having um, clear requirements from the start. And it, it, it's, that's because I think if a client is clear, it gives the market confidence in the client and in the project. And I think inevitably that leads to um, the client getting better value better um, quality and more competitive tenders. And I think also clear requirements um, enable the client to evaluate tenders better because they can evaluate them on a like-for-like basis. So they're comparing apples with apples, not apples with pears. Um, And that's because tenders have been given very clear criteria. And I think also very importantly, um, if clear requirements are given at the outset, it severely reduces the risk of having to make variations um, to the scheme during the procurement stage and indeed during the life of the project. And I think we all know that variations um, have a habit of um, derailing programmes and also um, adding substantial cost to a project. But but I'm just looking at that from the um, legal point of view of, of where we deliver construction development projects um, to sort of financial close. And Carol, what would be brilliant is if you could share with us um, why, from the client's perspective, why you think it's important for you to define your requirements early on and to be very clear about what they are. Yeah. Okay. Lovely. So, yes, I think obviously as you set out, very important for clients to understand what their requirements are before they come out to market to make sure they get what they 
you know, what they've asked for um, from the supply chain. And I think that starts in a much earlier um, pro point in the process for clients, not just when they come out to tender. So for me, that starts right up at a client's strategic objectives as an organization. You know, what, what do they want to deliver as an organization to meet their customers, their owners or their shareholders or their stakeholders requirements? and really understanding what those different stakeholders value and what that means to an organization's strategic objectives. And so at Northumbrian Water, we, we have a very clear vision to be the national leader in the delivery of sustainable water and wastewater services. And that sets everything for us up as a company. It leads into a set of very ambitious goals we have for our long-term strategic objectives around net zero, um, reducing flooding, reducing pollution, improving um, the quality of our water that we supply to our customers. And that also links through into the outcomes that, that we then deliver on a day-to-day -day basis in terms of our service. Um, so we've got clear vision, clear strategic objectives. Clients then need to feed that through into their strategies and plans. And what that gives clients is an opportunity to have a clear line of sight um, into delivery um, and if you have that clear line of sight when you come to the point where you're actually defining your requirements in the tender documents you can be very clear about the outcomes that you would like the, the supply chain to deliver for you um, and how that links from the strategic objectives to the project deliverables so then when the supply chain is looking at that and looking at how they can uh, meet your requirements, it really gives them an opportunity to sort of innovate and add value to their tender submission. And, you know, they can have a clear um, view in terms of the outcomes that you want to achieve. And we find at Northumbrian Water that that really allows us to have a, a very a more collaborative approach with our supply chain and our partners um, when we move into sort of delivery of our projects and programmes, because they really understand what we're trying to achieve as an organisation. Um, and they bring, you know, their, their expertise and their value to that project to deliver on those outcomes. Fantastic. That's given us great insight onto the clear benefits of having a clear vision and strategic objectives. Um, Carol, particularly for clients embarking on a development project for the first time, is there any advice you can give them for what criteria or drivers they should take into account when they are defining their requirements? I mean, yeah, you talked I about your, you talked about vision and objectives, but are there other factors that need to be considered? Yeah, I guess it, it, it's, it is very bespoke to, to each individual client, um, but I guess there's other sort of broader um, societal things that should be considered, you know, for all clients, you know, um, looking at, um, you know, contributing to the whole uh, global kind of climate change, if you like, and trying to, um, you know, get hit net zero in terms of carbon. Um, so I think clients have to look not only at their own specific needs, to meet their own customers and shareholders and stakeholder needs, but also the broader societal needs um, and look at sort of national and regional um, strategies and policies and look to see whether they can align um, their, um, their service and, and, and what they deliver as an organisation to support meeting those needs. And I think taking that kind of more 
you know, you mentioned at the beginning, like a value-based decision-making approach allows clients to, to think about the wider societal value or impact that they have and how that how their service the service they deliver um, can either enhance or detract from that. And can you can you talk a bit about how do you take into account those things like the corporate society, social responsibility and social value act? Do you I mean how does that fit into it all? Are they tangible things? Are there do, do those um, the act the social value act does that does that set out sort of clear um, indicators as to how um, clients can uh, help you know the local economies and that sort of thing yeah I think you know I think acts you know the, such as national policy like that do do help clients to kind of translate that into their own area um, at Northumbrian Water we we're introducing our new value framework approach which brings in those different kind of aspects into our investment decision making processes and that has helped us to develop a set of metrics that we can um, aim to quantify to help us make decisions. Um, I think you know us as a client and the whole sector are on a journey with that so there'll be some very tangible incurred costs and benefits that we can very easily quantify now um, but there's, there's more work to do for clients and across the sector to build the metrics in some more of the intangible or non-tangible kind of benefits um, and obviously social value environmental value um, there's some that that are more defined but some that need further work yeah no that's that's really helpful um, one thing uh, I'm often asked by clients is um, what should be sort of put into documents to enable them to measure success or to, to sort of tick off that their outcomes have actually been achieved. Do you have advice on what what sort of measures should be included or how, how you measure success at Northumbrian Water? Yeah, so I think that links back into the sort of this value-based decision-making approach. Um, and, you know, if, if clients have introduced that approach, then that does give them the metrics. And what it also gives them is that clear line of sight that I spoke about earlier to demonstrate that those the projects are actually going to deliver and support the strategic objectives of the organisation. Um, so we, we, we are developing our value framework and expanding it out with, with different metrics. Um, but also, you know, if clients haven't done this before, another, you know, really good industry um, tool that I would signpost people to is the Construction Innovation Hub Value Toolkit. So they, the hub have been working on this for the last couple of years and they're, they're, they're introducing a toolkit that clients can use to help them define their strategic objectives and outcomes and then how that would translate into sort of value-based decision making and giving and allowing you to quantify those values um, when you're making investment decisions or assessing tenders so yeah definitely check out the uh, the value toolkit it's a really exciting time at the moment they're in a pilot phase um, and you know they're looking to um, gain a broad set of clients to trial uh, the toolkit that they've produced and then by the end of this year um, they're hoping to sort of go live and that will be uh, a sort of digital tool available to, to the industry to use 
um, and we're, we're connected with, with the team at, um, at CIH and we're sort of sharing best practice because alongside their industry work, we've been developing our own value framework and um, we've, we've had some good uh, knowledge sharing sessions and we can see that there's definite alignment um, with what we're both producing, but things that we can learn from each other as well. Um, so that's really good to be involved with that and be part of that industry kind of shift. And is that value toolkit um, uh, relevant to both public and private sector clients? Yes, for sure, definitely. Uh, you know, it's uh, we're obviously a private client. We're using a value-based decision-making approach, um, but obviously public sector clients uh, can use it as well. And I guess they're, you know, they're being um, sort of driven through kind of policy from the government around that. Um, you know, we, we've seen the recent publication of the construction playbook. Um, and in that, you know, um, the sort of government is setting out their expectation that public uh, projects are procured on an outcome basis and advocating for that kind of whole life value approach to assessing um, and, and making investments in, um, you know, public sector projects. So, yes, equally applicable um, across across the sectors. So the construction playbook at the moment is focused on public sector and the, the value toolkit is both sectors across the yes. piece. Yeah. OK, well, that's useful. And, and in terms of measuring success in, in, in your particular case, you have um, obviously in any procurement does sort of when evaluating, you have um, weightings um, allocated to quality cost, time and all those sort of things. What about um, KPIs? or um, penalties or incentives or however you like to call them for for over or under performance is that something you utilize to measure success yes yeah, so i guess uh, so we have long-term relationships with our partners so we have a framework arrangement with our partners and and built into that framework arrangement is a sort of set of uh, kpis um and that will kind of you know um feed into incentives and and also kind of um workload and you know allocation of projects uh, so i think as we start to embed our value framework in our decision making for our strategies and our planning what we'll be looking to do is then translate that into how we then um tender for the the projects that we we go out to our partners with um, so that we're not quite there yet um, we obviously already have a sort of as you say you know, a quality cost split and different metrics that that go in with that. But I think that that becomes our the next the next natural evolution as we start mm -hmm. to make make decisions based on value. We can, from a planning perspective, we can then kind of translate that through into our contracting uh, process um, and take a much more outcome focused view in that in that part of the process procurement process. That's excellent, Carol. I can't thank you enough for your wise words. So I think to sum up, it, it, it seems that uh, totally in agreement that um, to get the right outcomes, you need a clear vision and business strategy in order to get clear deliverables and then define your requirements so that you get um, sensible tenders, uh, which are based on uh, clarity um, and that in taking into account um, the factors you take into account in defining, you, you, it's obviously your own vision and strategy, but also the 
the wider socio-environmental strategies, climate change and so on. And it's good to hear, I think, that there are real, really helpful practical things out there now being developed, the construction playbook and the value toolkit for clients to look to in order to make um, basically value-based decisions to look at a project not just during the cost of the construction phase, but the whole life of the project from basically cradle cradle to grave, and that there are ways of measuring this success. So, Carol, thank you very much for sharing um, all that wonderful knowledge and experience in rather a short time. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, so um, I'm afraid that I think that's all we've got time for this time. So. Thanks so much, Carol, and it's goodbye from both of us. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to The Secret to Successful Development Projects, a podcast series from Muckle LLP. You can find out more at muckle-llp.com slash development success.